You know those books. They're yellow and black, and it's X for dummies, whatever for dummies. This isn't really whatever for dummies, but you might want to take a look at it as the fundamentals of the faith. It's all boiled down into simple theology that each and every one of us can grasp, and it's directed to the church. We're taking a look at Titus next on today's broadcast of Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Make it a point to join us today, won't you? From Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. We greet you in Christ. Welcome you to today's broadcast. As mentioned, we're in Titus, and it's a series we'll be in for some time now as we take a close look at the fundamentals of the faith recorded for us by Paul to Titus here in the book named after him. Join us. Here's Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast. Christ is the only one that can meet our needs. And Paul calls us to remain faithful to the fundamentals of the faith. To understand what they are. To focus on truth and godliness as prescribed by God through Jesus Christ. And if you don't do that, what happens is you become entangled with all kinds of false ideas and false systems. I've heard of pastors dealing with things in their church and the theology that they deal with is, is across the board. It's just a mess. They have all kinds of, they welcome everybody. And so they have people plugged in from all kinds of theological backgrounds and doctrinal misunderstandings, and you wonder why they have problems. We're called to be one in the body of Christ. We're called to come together and focus on our unity in Christ, but we're also called to come together and to study and to teach God's inerrant, inspired word, and to do it in a way that brings him honor, brings him glory. We don't have a corner on the truth. Okay, we all have the same word of God. He's given us this gift. But when you start reading into certain texts what it means and not taking them in their context, I have issues with that. Because that's where you get off on, on rabbit trails. And you can make any verse mean what you want it to ma- mean if you, if you study hard enough and explain it in such a way. So in a nutshell, basically, Paul is establishing his authority as an apostle. One whom God has entrusted the message of salvation and eternal hope. And then he proceeds to outline for Titus the qualifications of officers in the church. And much of what we're going to read in Titus is similar to what the women will be studying as they go through 1 Timothy. Even including the warning of false teachers. But let's look just briefly at some just background information. Like I said, we're not going to get into the meat of the the text today. This is just to kind of help us uh, understand what we're dealing with as we go into this. Um, This, first of all, the author of the book, obviously, it's Paul. The letter identifies Paul as, first of all, a servant of God, verse 1. Or a slave of God is, is a better way to put that. Uh, Sometimes we don't politically correct. We don't want to use the word slave anymore, but that's literally what it means. The fact that he um, became a slave for Christ. Here is someone who was imprisoned for Christ, and yet he was still willing to be a slave for Christ. He's also known not only just as a servant or a slave, but it says that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's one who is sent by Christ himself. 
Remember, at his conversion on the, on the Damascus road there, on the way to Damascus, when he was converted, Christ literally came down and made a personal appearance just for him. That's why he's an apostle. See, that's why today we don't have apostles in this sense today because Jesus isn't popping out of heaven appearing to people last time I checked. Now, you'll hear that, but the Bible that I read says that our Lord is where? At the right hand of the Father. So when you hear somebody claiming apostolic authority, be careful. Now, we're all sent ones in the general sense, right? We're all followers of Christ. We're all sent out by him. We're all apostles in that general sense. But these apostles had certain miraculous gifts attributed to them. They had the gift of healings. They had the ability to to cast demons out. They had the ability to do all sorts of sign and wonders beyond what the normal disciple would have. And that's what Paul was. He was a slave of God. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he was also, verses 12 and 13, let us know that he, he understood his audience. He understood that, that Cretan society. He had done some study about the people that he was trying to reach. Sometimes I think we should take a, a lesson from that, that we should step back. And when we go out and we evangelize, we should understand who we're evangelizing. It does no, no one any good, really, to stand on a corner with a big you know, sandwich board on you, uh, repent or go to hell. I mean, that doesn't do any good. You know, get to know people. Talk to them. Find out what their needs are. Maybe they have, they have issues with their family. Maybe they have issues in their finances. Maybe they have, they're homeless. Who knows what their problems are? But take a few moments, and that's all it takes, to, to, to communicate with them. Don't just... Throw a track in their face and run away. And once you do that, you, you almost establish the right to be heard. They'll dialogue with you. They'll talk about even spiritual things. He was knowledgeable of this Cretan society. And he was also anxious for the return of Christ. I love that in, in verse 13. You can just hear the passion of chapter 2 in his, in his, in his voice waiting For our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you excited about the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ? I hope you are. I hope that you're waiting, man. You can't wait. I mean, is today going to be the day? I woke up this morning early. I'm driving over to church and the clouds were just painting this weird picture in the sky. And I thought, whoa, this this would be a cool time to come back. Just look kind of, you know, the sun was just coming up. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm anxious for the Lord to return. But you know what? I also know there's a lot of work to be done. And he's left us here to do it. That's the author of the book. Let's look at the recipient. What do we know about Titus? We know from Paul's writings that, first of all, Titus was a convert. He calls him his true son in the faith. So Titus was someone who Paul reached out to and God used him to bring the truth of the gospel to him. Titus came to Christ and then Paul kind of took him under his wing. He discipled him. He was willing to spend time with him to teach him what he needed to know. He just didn't say, okay, Titus, now you're a Christian here. Go, go pastor this church. He didn't do that. 
No doubt Paul came alongside of Titus and he taught him all the things that he needed to know. The reason we know that is because he goes on and he talks about the qualifications of leadership. See, a lot of times people come to Christ, they're a new believer, and, and man, they, they just want to go save the whole world. And so they got all this emotion and everything, but they don't have any, they don't have any context for which all that they believe. They're very shallow doctrinally. And they need to take time, and they need to learn to grow in their faith, and God will use them. So many times you see people like that, you know, they, they go off kind of, all emotional, and, and they're excited about their faith, and we love to see people excited about their faith. I try to keep those kind of people away from other people in the church who aren't excited about their faith, because usually the, the contagious thing doesn't work the other, you know, it works from the, the uh, non-excited to the excited, not the other way around. But Titus here was a convert of the Lord Jesus Christ through Paul, but he was also his companion. And we see that in, in, the, in the verses there, Acts and Galatians, at the Jerusalem Council. He supported Paul there. Um, he was also a comfort to Paul. You know, sometimes, you know, people want to come alongside and whatever, but they're not a comfort. We need to be reminded, you know what, we're, we're called to... to kind of be willing to, to help out and support in different ways, but do it in a comforting way. Don't do it in a threatening way. And then fourthly, he was a confidant of Paul. And if you look at Second um, Corinthians, just real quick, Second Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, verse 5, for even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by what? By the coming of Titus. And not only was his coming by his coming, but also by the comfort which he was con comforted by you as he told us of your longing and your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. See, Paul, Titus, was a comfort to Paul. He was one of his converts. He was a companion. He was a confidant. You know, it's very uh, clear that, that Paul and Titus had a, a definitely a special kind of a relationship. That's what the word tells us about Titus. Well, we can infer certain things from Paul's writings about Titus. Probably he was from Antioch or Syria, where all the craziness is going on over there now, um, where Paul began his missionary work. And just a, a quick side note on, on the whole Syria thing. You know, we really need to be praying we, we even read it this morning. We need to be praying for our president. We need to be praying for the Congress concerning this whole mess over there. Um, now more than ever, they need, they need the wisdom of God. And I know that 
they clearly don't know him, but God sometimes can work and he does work. And we need to lift that man, President Obama, up in prayer and the Congress as well as they sort these things out. But he was probably from that area. He was also a stronger character than Timothy. And what I mean by that is he wasn't as shy. Paul had to come along Timothy and say, hey, don't, you know, don't be shy about some things. Kind of get out there and take, take hold of things. Um, and, and Titus wasn't as shy or withdrawn as, as Timothy. And he was obviously in better physical health than Timothy. Just You can kind of uh, come to terms with that when you read through the Epistle to Timothy, Paul is kind of instructing Timothy to take some things for his ailments and things like that. But Paul referred to Titus as his son in the faith in Titus 1.4, his brother in the faith in 2 Corinthians 2.13, and also his partner and his fellow helper in the faith. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, of, of what a blessing that is, is when, when, when someone comes along and, and is willing to, to serve in such a fashion as Titus. It's such an encouragement. I can't even begin to tell you. Sometimes it's, it's not even what people do. It's just having somebody there. <laughs> just having somebody alongside of you. Knowing that, you know what, when things go bad, they have your back. Knowing that they're there to watch out for you and comfort you. See, that's all part of, of leadership within a church. That's all part of, of what makes up that whole schematic of leadership within a church. It's not a bunch of men getting together trying to figure out what's best for them and, and, and battering things back and forth. That's not what it's about. It's not a bunch of men getting together and criticizing each other and criticizing what's going on. No, that's not what it's about. It's, it's about a bunch of men getting together for the spiritual leadership within a church, focusing on Christ and asking God to somehow work through them to, to carry out his his plan and his purpose for that local congregation. Well, the date and place of this writing of Titus was probably between 62 and 63 AD. Some say 65, but whatever. And I think that it's, it's kind of, you know, it's about the same time as 1 Timothy after Paul's release from his first Roman imprisonment. And the place was either Macedonia or Ephesus, wherever he wrote this letter. Now, coming to the purpose of the book, it's very practical, I think, for us as a church. It's one of the reasons why I chose to go, go through this. Um, one of the first purposes of the book was to urge Titus to set in order the affairs of the churches in Crete. He wanted Titus to make sure that things were, were being done according to the word and things weren't getting out of whack Secondly, to instruct Titus concerning the character of the men to be ordained. So he's telling Titus, hey, go, go uh, appoint elders. And notice that it says appoint them. It doesn't say vote on them. Okay, in our church we appoint the leadership. The, the current elders appoint those who desire the work of being an elder. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I mean, right now we have basically two elders. <laughs> We're a smaller congregation, but we have two. Bob helps us with the administrative stuff, but he's not an elder yet. People say, well, why don't you have more elders? Well, there's a lot of different ways you can get elders. 
We could sit down and look at everybody's profile and say, oh, this guy runs a business. He'd make a good elder. Mistake. <laughs> good businessmen don't necessarily make good elders. Or look at this guy and how, how you know, what he, he's always serving. He's always doing this. He's, well, what are the qualifications? We're going to be looking at some of those things. But one of the qualifications is the Bible says that he who desires the work, right, of an elder, or an overseer. See, it's not up to the elders to go out and to kind of put it in the hearts of other men. Hey, don't you want to be an elder? Don't you want to be an elder? Hey, we need more elders. We need more elders. Let's, you know, let's just cheerlead them along. No, that calling is a work of God. And trust me, it is a calling. Ask Ken, ask John, ask anybody who's ever served as an elder within a church. They'll tell you it's a calling. It's not a privilege. It's a calling. And we only want people, men, who are called to be elders to serve as elders. It would do nobody any good to have a a board of, of eight elders and four of them are called and four of them aren't. You'd have major problems. So the Bible is very clear. It's his church. Jesus Christ says, I will build my church. I'll do it at my time frame, not yours. Could we use more elders? Definitely. But you know what? That's in in God's camp, not ours. But he went over the character of the men to be ordained and to lead the churches of Crete. He wanted Titus not to just go off kind of half-cocked and think, okay, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, I'm going to grab these guys. No. He said "There's, there's a certain purpose. There's a certain calling on these men. And then thirdly, he also wanted to challenge Titus to stand firm against the unchristian character of the Cretans. He said, man, you're going to be dealing with a lot of crazy people in the society you live. I I want you to understand that you have to stand firm against that stuff. You can't just allow it in a little bit. And he speaks very boldly about that. One point he says, you know what, if you have somebody within your, your body who's being divisive, what does that mean? It means they're, they're taking the word of God and they're using it to divide the body of Christ. And they're doing it in a malicious way. Go to them once, go to them twice, and then you know what? Adios. That's pretty strong. Not a lot of grace there. Not a lot of wiggle room. See, today, the problem with our churches is that, well, you know, we don't want to offend anybody, and so we'll just kind of walk on eggshells. Now, we don't want to offend people just for offensive sake. That's not the purpose either. Fourthly, he wanted to urge Titus to teach sound doctrine. It goes hand in hand to the churches at Crete. If we don't teach sound doctrine, if we just teach messages that constantly tell you how you should be doing things, practical things, how you should be living, how your family should function, how your marriage should function. You know, if we just constantly teach that way topically, we're not going to be able to get a hold of some of these rich doctrines that the Word of God brings out as you go through a book like Ephesians or you go through a book like Titus or you go through a book like Romans. So we believe in teaching through the Word of God because that's kind of the underlying foundation upon which you find out and teach that sound doctrine. And then the last thing there, fifth, to establish for Titus the personal qualities to be built into the lives of the Cretan believers. So that's very practical. 
See, that's where you get, okay, you're going to call yourself a believer. Well, here's what makes up the life of a believer. Here's how that works. A couple keys in the book. Key thought, order in the church. <laughs> key phrase, set in order. Key verses, chapter 1, 5, 2, 1, and 3, 1. Several key words. The word good, 11 times. Good work, 6 times. Faith, 5 times. Sound, 5 times. And when you look at the general outline, you can just kind of summarize it as chapter 1 deals with great leaders in the church. Chapter 2 deals with good laymen in the church. Chapter 3 deals with godly living in the church, by the church. And so as we begin to look at those different things in the coming weeks together, I pray that you'd take this book. I challenge you to read it through every day. It took us, what, five, ten minutes to read it? Read it through every day. You'll know it better than I do. You know, that's what it's about. Don't take what I'm saying. You know, you should be out there being Bereans. You should be studying it. You should be reading it. Become familiar with this little one-page book in your Bible called Titus over the next several weeks. And I'm sure that God will bless our time together as we go on this adventure. All right, well, let's prepare our hearts for our communion time. Father, we thank you for uh, this morning, Lord. I know this is just... uh, general uh, introduction to this study but Lord I do know that you're you do want us to understand that you do need great leaders in your church Father we need leaders in our church Lord we need good members we need laymen who will, will do the works that you've called them to do we all need to live Lives that are godly before a lost and dying world so that somehow they can see the glory and and majesty of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that this morning, if there's any here who has yet to trust you as their Lord and Savior, if there's any here who has yet to cry out to you, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. To acknowledge their sin before a holy God. To acknowledge their need. And sometimes that's a humiliating thing to do. I know as men, we don't want to acknowledge needs when we have them. We want to try to work it out on our own. But when it comes to salvation, we can't. And even we read this morning that your grace has appeared to all men. And it's appeared through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, as we prepare our hearts for this communion time, I pray that we would make sure that there's nothing in our own heart that would bring dishonor to you in any way. That, Father, we would uh, search our hearts and, and if there's confession that needs to be made, your, your word says that when we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's all because of what Christ did on Calvary. Father, if there's any here who don't know you, I pray that today would be the day that you introduce yourself to them, that you tug at their heart one more time, and that they would respond in faith. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. 